Welcome to Hearthside Salons. I'm Heidi Hornbacher of Pagecraft Writing. Each week we bring you conversations with creators and innovators to feed your creative fire. In the strange and amorphous world of filmmaking, it can be hard to measure success. One way of knowing you've reached valuable milestones is when people start asking you how they can do what you've done. After a very successful worldwide festival run for her short film, Lunch Ladies, filmmaker and author Clarissa Jacobson got a lot of those questions. They prompted her to write a book. I made a short film, now WTF do I do with it? Today we get her wisdom on the festival world, the importance of handling no with ultimate kindness, and the joy of creating stories in spite of it all. I followed her book strategy with my own short films festival plan. We jump right in talking about rejection and success on the film festival circuit. A note to listeners, this episode contains unbleeped swear words. Yeah, you had some really nice success with it, didn't you? With like you were in the Seattle A couple. Festivals. No. Um, Newport Beach, Long Beach, New York, and um, I forget there was one other beach sort of related one. None of, you know, and that was it. And I mean, I pl- I put it in, I applied for like 70 or 80 different festivals and got into three. Hey, I, you know. They're good ones happen. though. So Yeah, you got in really good ones. Like I remember looking, I was like, oh, these are really good festivals. And I was like. It's funny because people either don't get it or they think it's experimental, which I find odd. Or they. Well, either love or hate lunch. Cause there's, well, because there's no doc, there's no dialogue in it. Oh, but I think that's freaking cool. Like, I, I know. Yeah. Well, it's really funny. So it's like, but artists, I have had artists come out of the woodwork and just be like, oh my God, it's amazing. And then uh, like lay people are like, well, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, if you're an artist, you get it because you get the struggle. Well, I either get people who are super offended and don't get it at all. Like one of my reviews on Amazon is like, it used the F word in the first. Oh my God. Minute and it's super like, uh, didn't need to go there. Like they're pissed off that it, I'm like, you chose to watch a movie about women murdering children in high school and you're worried about the F word. You know, it's like so crazy. <laughs> oh my God. But you know, like the, the first couple like bad reviews or people that hate it hurt. And then after that, you're just like, yeah, we're like, okay, it wasn't for you. Cause there's just nobody, you're not like, as my dad said, Jesus Christ could come down and people would have criticism. And just that's stuff, true. You know? That's and that true. comes from a Jew. That's, you know, like that's, that's true. <laughs> So Clarissa Jacobson, welcome to Hearthside Salons. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. And thanks everybody for showing up. I think it was really funny when we met. The first thing I noticed about you is that you were wearing a Duran Duran tank top. (laughs) It's my favorite band of all time. And that one of your headshots actually has you in that tank top. And I was like, yes, this girl. Yeah. And I'm wearing like a raccoon hat because I gave me this raccoon hat as a joke because she bought one in Germany and I was jealous of hers and made fun of it. So she bought me one on eBay. So I have my raccoon hat and my Duran Duran. Yeah, which is what you need. It's good because you're like ready for the desert, but also for the Russian front. Yes, exactly. Warm or cold. But we're both, yeah, we're both Durannies. Yeah. Didn't you name your dog John Taylor or something like that? His name was Simon because John isn't a good dog name. (laughs) Simon is a good, is a good dog name. Simon is a really good dog name. Yeah, he was a super, he was a really, really good dog too. So Aww. yeah, so a huge Duran Duran fan. So I just bonded with you immediately. Yes. <laughs> so um, you, uh, you know, you've had this really interesting sort of arc to your career and you've had so many cool things that I, so we're going to get to talk about all of them, but uh, I wanted to start by talking about like where, how did you get started? Where did you grow up? 
what was expected of you and your family? Um, I grew up in a small town, Hastings, Minnesota, and I always was into the arts. I thought I wanted to be an actress. For many years, I thought I wanted to be an actress, and, and I don't regret going down that path, but what I really like to do is write stories, and it, it's funny, I don't know if this has happened to anybody else, but when you go back in your life and you kind of look at, like I look at my baby book, and there's stuff in there about me creating stories, and I was always creating stories, and it's funny, like you, I kind of lost that through, you know, my junior high years and thought that I wanted the actress and I went to, you know, I had a very supportive family that was, um, my dad writes books on camping canoeing and is uh, taught eighth grade. He's, uh, and then my, and my sister is a lawyer, but at the time she played violin. So we were an artistic family. My mom was into, you know, singing and, and stuff like that. And, um, then I went to acting school and I majored in theater and I just went out to New York and I did all the acting things, wanted to be like a serious actress on Broadway, even though like sketch was really what I love to do and mm. write sketch characters and stuff like that. And to make a long story short, I, I met this guy, Joe Bratcher, my writing teacher at a wedding, that my wedding at the time, <laughs> not married anymore, but, um, and Joe came up to me and he said, I want to give you a writing class as a gift. And I looked at him like he was crazy. Now I had one script that I had started because I wanted to be the lead in it. It was about three women mechanics called high maintenance. Uh, the reason I had written it, but I didn't consider myself a screenwriter. And Joe gave me this class. And I had that weird like freak out moment. Cause when I started the screenwriting class, I felt like, oh my God, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. Like, but it was kind of like, you know, I had a friend, she said, you're on a tributary of life. Like, you know, you're on a late, just because you take a trip doesn't tributary, you go a different direction doesn't mean that you're giving something up. Cause I had that all like, oh my God, I'm giving acting up to, you know, so oh. I, I felt like I couldn't do one. I felt like to be a really great actress for me, I had to like put all my time into that or put all my time into screenwriting. Right. So I chose screenwriting and I never looked back and, you know, once in a while I'll do acting stuff, but screenwriting is where my heart is. It's where I feel. Mm happiest I made the short film lunch ladies I made that because I had I had saved my money and I was so tired and it's wonderful to write things but after a while you want to see your stuff yes absolutely. you just want to see it and yeah. I was like I'm gonna lose my mind if I don't see something of mine and that's how I got started in the whole like and then I realized I was a filmmaker, that I wasn't just a screenwriter. Like I want to direct, I want to make films, I want to be on set, you know, I want to do all those kinds of things. So it was, you know, I feel like a lot of people come into screenwriting from different backgrounds that actually, they all help you. Like acting helped me to be a better writer. Yeah, yeah I was going to say it. Too, you know? so, like, well, yeah, there's that like, you know, every actor should take a directing class and a writing class and every director absolutely. should take an acting class and a writing class and like, you know, all of it helps you learn no matter which corner you really want to be in learning the other disciplines really helps really help yeah and and sometimes I go oh I wish I started screenwriting when I was 20. me too but, you know, but then I'm like but then I went to learn to act and learned all the things that I brought to screenwriting yeah. now. so everything I guess happens when it's supposed to happen yeah like I same thing I was like in college I was a writing major and yet then finished college with a degree in writing and still was like, well, I have to wait for, for permission to someone to tell me I can be a writer now. So I guess I should go do these other like marketing jobs and stuff. Oh, I can't even imagine doing and that. And it's like, <laughs> like, I can't now I'm like, oh my God, if you had just graduated and gone straight to what you're doing now, like what, how much further would I be? But 
Yeah, but look at all the it happens when it happens. You bring to you know. Yeah. From that, so. Uh, what so what brought you to LA? Like when did that happen? Um, well, I broke up with a boyfriend. (laughs) Usually (laughs) part of it. Um, but I, you know, at the time I was an actress, and that was I wanted to be in film. I wanted to be in TV. Like I hated winter. I had a sister that lived out here. And so I came out here with like, I think I had like a hundred bucks and I lived in a studio apartment with my sister. I wanted to kill her um, for a while um, and took acting classes and it took me a good two, three years to find my people. Yeah, me too. It was like, it was a couple cycles before I was like, oh, these are the real people and not just like the Totally. Right. Are you someone? Are you someone? Kind of. And I was so naive. I believed everything, you know. And I lived. I come from New York, where everybody they tell they tell it like it is. But like here, you you know, there's a lot of bullshit artists. So I believe yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, me too. Uh, you know, when I I came from Colorado, when I moved out here, leaving my snow tires behind was like the happiest moment. I was like, never again will those go on my car. No, I can't ever. I can't ever. I don't know. I mean. Nope. I, yeah. No in the course of doing all this stuff to get where you want to get, have you had like a super crappy job that you had to do to support your dream? Oh my God. What was the worst? Well, probably the worst job I ever had, like as an adult or as a, cause I've had some terrible jobs as a teenager too. I corn to tassel one year, two years. You what? Most people don't know what corn to tasseling is, but that's, nope. this, that's this horrible job where you walk down the rows of corn and you pull off the tops so that they oh my God. holidays and it's super, <laughs> it's super hot. And then there's irrigation everywhere and it's just, it's miserable. And they can only really like get 15 year olds and 14 year olds to do it because it sucks so bad. So that's oh my God. that sounds terrible. Then I worked for a coke head boss that did balloons that we did balloons for parties. <laughs> like, I don't, I've had so many strange jobs over the years. So yeah. <laughs> and wow. I've had a couple good ones, but yeah. Know. I just, yeah. cause we all have that like ridiculous job you did to support your, your writing habit or your acting habit. And it's just like, Oh my God. I don't want to, I don't believe in being a starving artist. There's some people that are fine with that, but I'd ra- I would rather do whatever I have to do to keep my dream going and be able to yeah. classes and you get, you you write lunch ladies. Because that film just resonated and so across so many festivals and you worked your ass off to make it do that. But like, when did you know it was like special or, you know, cause there's sometimes that moment That's where you're like, oh. so I wrote, I wrote the feature first and then I wrote the short and I remember like my mentor and I sitting in the, in the car and we were super obnoxious. We were like, Oh my God, it's amazing. We're so amazing. Just like, God, you know, the dance sequence that I did was so great. And we were just like talking about how great we were, but they were like, and then we said to each other, we're doing this because we have no clue how people are going to react to this. And I really did not know until I got in Clermont Fraud in February. I really didn't know that it was going to be successful because, you know, the first or two, I think the first two festivals I got rejected from, and I was really naive about the film circuit where I thought, everything that you enter if it's good they're gonna like it you're gonna get in every festival yeah so I felt like oh my gosh it's people don't I mean I I loved it and my mentor who I trust who would tell me if it sucked and he would tell me what was wrong with it and what was right with it with the editing I felt like like if it pleased us then you've already won like you're your first critic yeah but it did take a lot when I mean, Clermont, there was, I always feel like there's that one game changer fest where you kind of go, oh, it's good. Yeah. I mean, that 
people like it, but there's always going to be people that are hated. There's always going to be festivals that they're going to turn it down. But um, it took a good five or six months. I mean, we won an award in, I want to say it was October from Nightmares. That was the first one. And I was blown away by that. Nightmares in South Africa, we won. Oh, wow. The two, the two awards on the same day, which was crazy. Wow. But, you know, like I'd had a few, quite a few rejections before then. So. Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah, it took a good six months before I started realizing it was, you know, that people liked it. So it starts rolling. And like, when did you start coming up with the process that you outline in the book about like, okay, here's how I have to manage things. Here's like, like, I shouldn't just be scattershot about this. I should be organized. Like when did you start? Well, I was very organized from the beginning about it because I, I just felt like I, this was my one chance. Like I'd spent so much, like I spent my own money on it. So like, it was a lot of years of heart hardship yeah. that money. So I didn't want that. And I felt like oh, so many people worked for such little money or for free that the least I could do is do my best to get it out there. So I talked to, like, I remember, like, I looked up some Oscar nominated short film directors and I talked to a couple of them and asked them what oh, they wow. did. I got every book I could find. There really wasn't much out there, but there was a few tidbits about things that I did. And then I kind of started just developing my own way about it, like what I wanted. And my whole goal was I wanted it to get seen as much as possible. So, you know, I, and there were people who made fun of me. We were like, oh my gosh, like who's going to want to see this film? You're going to enter this film in a Mexican festival with Spanish subtitles because it's very American. It's not like your typical indie type right. of feel good, like heart. I mean, it is feel good, but it's not like, but I just was, I just was determined to just enter it as many festivals as I could and, and be, specific about the things that I wanted with it and so then I just was very organized about it and and then it and then the more that and I hated doing social media but the more that I started doing it and started getting results and forced myself to do it the more things started to just snowball but it wasn't overnight it certainly was oh yeah it was a good year of working my ass off you know yeah but I just believed in it and I had enough nuggets of of people saying this is great this is great you know, and I had pe- people that didn't like it too, but I mean, there were enough nuggets out there that it just kept me like, going. yeah, I think that's so important. Um, and believe it, you have to really believe in your stuff or you're yeah. a goner, <laughs> you're just a goner. What, um, so you had a great festival run with it. What was, uh, the best, like what, what festival did you, cause you were still, this was before, so you were able to go in person, right? Like, oh yeah. I feel so bad. Like, people what now. was your, what was your favorite festival or like, well, I have several. So Clermont Ferrand, is incredible that's in uh, France it's like there's just this amazing short film festival and there's lines all the way around the block and it's it's just incredible so that's one of my favorite festivals there's Filmettes which is just an amazing festival out of Spain um actually Catalonia and um in Barcelona and just wonderful programmer there Gusti Argelech who's been just amazing to me um, and there was a lot of horror festivals that were wonderful. I mean, Film Quest was great. Nightmares was great. Motel X, Imagine, um, Bone Bat. I mean, God, I, I even shudder to like think of the, the amazing festivals that I love so much that I'm forgetting. Tulsa American Fest was fantastic. Um, there, there was maybe out of all the festivals, two or three duds. And the rest of them were awesome. Trauma now was so much fun in New York, like just such crazy people and crazy things going on. And, um, 
yeah, I mean, I just, it, I, had, I had a really joyful time going to all these festivals and so good. I would to every single one, but you know, you break the bank that way. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's, it's so cool that you especially got to go to the ones in Europe. Cause that I think would be so fun. Yeah. And I think that I would recommend to anybody like to, if you have to forgo the ones in the, if you only have so much money, at least go to the European ones that you can, because you can almost go for the same price. They usually cover a lot of things um, or do special things. Like I went to one in Dijon, which was wonderful called Sir Courts. Yeah. And um, you know, they paid for like a hotel and there was, they were so kind with the food, you know, so like, and, and you're usually often, you might be the only American there, you know? So you get to meet so many cool people and the programmers all talk to one another. Like, I really feel that's where it's at. It's like, not that I didn't love the US festivals, but yeah, I think a lot of people don't go to the European ones because they're like, you know, I don't, I don't have the money to go, but you can find, I'm telling you, like it almost ends up being the same. same that's good money to that's what's been hard about this last year because the joy of film festivals is being there and, and networking and meeting people and you can't like I I, my film was in a couple this year and it was like yeah but you know I show up for the zoom like Q&A but it's not the same it's not the same thing you don't, and I just you don't so keep bad. people from it I mean several people ask me what what do you what should I do should I like wait or should I and you know and I was like you know it's really a personal choice I don't know what I would do because it's like if you wait for all the people that waited there's going to be this influx of a billion films that are gonna you're gonna have so much competition but then if you don't wait you know you don't get to so it's 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 just been you know I just feel bad for all the the film festival people that that are well people that ran the festivals and the people that are it's just been a very strange yeah two years for filmmakers for sure surely um, has so when did you know that you needed to write this book or wanted to write this book the funny thing is I didn't want to write it because it's hard to write and book. I and I should note that the book is I made a short film now WTF do I do with it yeah I I um but my the director of lunch ladies J.M. Logan it was a wonderful guy that such a crazy story how I met him. Um, he kept saying to me, Clarissa, you should write a book. You should write a book. You know, you've learned so much and like all the stuff that I didn't know I would learn from other people or, you know, and then I, I would have a lot of filmmakers that would call me every week or text me or email me. And it wasn't that I don't want to talk to people. It's just that I was spending a good hour, two hours a week explaining the same things. And I couldn't even cover all the stuff I learned. Like, I couldn't even cover it. So one day I just was like, you know what? It, it one it'll help filmmakers two I can also it was cut down on my time I can say to people hey here's and, and and it's very like clear what's in there you know don't miss stuff and three it's also another way to always thinking about promotion it's also another way to promote lunch ladies because yeah. I talk about lunch ladies in book you know yeah. so you know and I was surprised when I sat down to write it because I thought it was gonna uh, it, it took like I mean I was writing I get up and I like just write till like three in the morning, but it took like wow. a month to write. I was surprised how much there was. And I couldn't even write a part two. I mean, there was so much I learned and I knew That's nothing. So I was coming from zero, like zero. So that's I mean, really surprising. Cause I, for reading it, you know, I used this as my guide for when I entered my film washed away into all the festivals over this last two years. And it's like, I did, I did the spreadsheet that you said to do and yeah, I did all this yeah. stuff. Oh, it totally did. Oh, and it just like, it helped me keep my budget, yeah, than, budget. You know, and my timeline because, you know, it's so easy. Just Film Freeway sends you all those like, hey, this festival. And you're like, well, okay. Yeah, you know, everything and then, you want to just enter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like $500 later. You're like, oh my God, I spent how much? 
Yeah. So, and then the free stuff, I just found ways to like get into, you know, all the European fests. So many of them are free or one or $2 and just to get those subtitles. And yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just learned so much and I wish there had been a book like that for me because it would have cut down on a lot of the mistakes I made or yeah. it took longer. I mean, I'm still learning. Like there's stuff I was like, Oh, why wasn't I doing Facebook stories? Because I find that a lot of people won't look at a face uh, or Facebook, Instagram stories. A lot of people won't look at a post, but they will look at a story. And then there's the people who will look at stories and won't look at, you know, so yeah, you, you got both. do it all. You kind of have to do it all. And I, but I didn't, you know, and then why didn't I put banners on Facebook? And now I started, we started to do that maybe like a year ago and events, you know, little things that I would start adding and adding. And now I would do it even different. I'd probably get one of those things where you can schedule it to post, you know, so there's oh, yeah. all updates, you know, updates and things you can learn all the time when doing Yeah. I, I so feel you because that's, that's exactly why I started. I've had the seeds of a screenwriting book be, and that's how we develop the curriculum that we teach at PageCraft was because I was having to explain the same things over and over and over again. Yeah. I finally was like, what if I write it down and make it a class? And you find out that there's so much more too when you write it down. Cause I would yeah. forget stuff when I would tell people or people would be like, well, how do you lay it out? Or what are the good festivals? Or, you know, cause you always want to ask other filmmakers cause they will be honest with you about the yes. festivals are, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I did that that insane thing. Like we had so much more come out than we ended up developing a rewrite course because it was like, yeah. oh, and there were so many more things. So I love that. It's like, that's the best place for the genesis of things to help or because yeah. you just, it's helping you. Like, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think Josh, you know, I was like, Josh, that was a great idea for me to write a book because you really, it, it really was a great idea. Like so many amazing things came out of even just writing the book. Yeah. You know. Not to sound like I'm like a saint or anything, but I got to help other filmmakers. Yeah, you know? no, like, it's a big, yeah. Yeah. So, so like what's, can you pick out like one thing or two things that you, that you wish filmmakers knew before they jump into their post-production, like ramping themselves up to festivals? Um, yeah, like one, get lots of pictures on set. Mm. any type of social. I mean, I, I lucked out. I had a friend of mine, Bob Nero, who I thought was being obnoxious at the time. Cause everywhere she was on set was just like, take a picture. Let me take a picture. Let me take a picture. Thank, thank God for Bob Nero, because I had like 250 shots. And if you don't have stuff, you don't have content, you can't promote. Yeah. That's so have your annoying person on set. That's always like taking pictures. <laughs> And then the rejection thing I had, to, I actually did a lot of research. Well, there's three things. I did a lot of research about the rejection rate and it's something like, you know, 10%, like you're going to get rejected to most people get rejected to like 90% of the festivals, but yeah. filmmakers don't give their, their film a chance to fail. So like they get a few failures or a chance to succeed. I mean, you know, if they get a few failures, yeah. they, they leave, they leave. So give it the, give it the run because, because it, you know, like I've had people go, oh, I stopped entering after 10 festivals because I only got in one, but I'm like, but you're right on schedule. But that's 10%. Yeah. That's... Yeah. But if you don't know that you think, oh my God, I'm just, yeah. or, you know, just to give it, give it a chance. And then the other thing is promotion. Um, I was terrified of promotion. I didn't want to talk about my film. I thought people think I have a big head. They probably do think I have a big head. I don't care. It worked, <laughs> but, but, you know, like to just get over that that nobody is going to love your film as, as much as you and care about your film. And you need to bring that joy and share that with people. And either people are going to like 
be part of that and want to be on that ride or they're not. But unless you're there saying, Hey, this is my film is playing here. It's playing here. That you're not going to get, you're not going to get the, the support that you need from it. And to just stop putting that on yourself that like, I don't know. A lot of people are like filmmakers where they want to just, it's easier to shout someone else's project out than your own, but you have yes. to be able to shout your own project out. And it's not about ego. It's not about any of that. It's about sharing the way that I looked at it after do, doing it for a while. Was, it's about sharing what makes you joyful with other people. I love that. And, yeah. and I feel like it's about sharing all the hard work everyone else on the yes. crew did. Yes. Yeah. You know? like, yes. But it is terrifying at first when you start like posting stuff that you're like, oh, people are sick. That's, they're going to be sick of me, like talking about it all the time. Well, then let those people go away. I found out that most people are supportive and are excited to hear about stuff and will help you. So many people help me. Yeah, that's so great. And, I, <laughs> and as we were talking about before we started officially, that with the algorithms, like half the time people don't see all your posts anyway. Oh so you're gosh. not as obnoxious as you think you are. No, they don't. I was telling her like, when Lunch Lady was on Prime Video over a year and a half ago, I did a little experiment where I posted that we were on Prime Video and so many people were like, oh my gosh, congratulations, that's amazing. Like, it was like the first time they had heard it. Even though for literally a year, I've been talking about it being on Prime Video. It was in my Instagram, like like my uh, yeah, bio. bio. People, you, do have to, you do have to say stuff over and over and over again for people to get it. Yeah, I think that's been the hardest for me. It's like to get over that like, Oh no, I'm bothering people or, Oh my oh, God, they're going to be like, oh. it's that girl again, talking about this thing, this class again, or this movie, or it's just like, no God. Yeah. No, you have to, you have to do it. And you know, those people can go away if they don't, they want to, but yeah. Well, and I think there's a, you know, in marketing stuff there, I think there's something like seven times people have to hear about a thing before wow. they actually go, okay, I'm going to buy that. Or I'm going right. you know, to take action. So well, we've it's all like shit that we don't need or want because we've heard yeah. it a hundred times. <laughs> Yeah. YouTube, especially. Yes. Yes. So it's interesting. A couple uh, in season one, I, I, I was, I spoke with Lindsay Lanzilota, who it works at Carousel about she's a distribution person. And we were talking about all of this and, and I was really, I shared with her about your book because I was really pleased that actually it dovetails right into what she talks about with distribution. And just that, like, you need to have thought of all this stuff before, like, you yeah. know, like you're saying, make sure you have someone on set to take pictures that you need to think about that before you know and just the same way you need to have done before you're not gonna have yeah time. yeah and you need to budget you know and that, that needs to be part of your budget for mm -hmm. festival entries and travel to festivals and you know it's the same it's part of your distribution strategy basically yeah yeah planning all that out for sure for sure I think so many of us are like I have a script and I'm an artiste and I'm going to make it and then like that's as far as you but can. the most important thing honestly is it getting seen because yeah. it's, I mean, there's that whole argument. Is it art if nobody sees it? Nobody sees it, yeah. Aren't they part of the art, you know? The, yeah, the seeing okay. of the art is part of the art. Yeah, so you yeah. gotta make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you've got Rebel Minx going on. Um, yeah. to what's What are you What are you working on now with that? Um, so Rebel Minx is my writing partnership with my um, best buddy, Shana, Shana Weber. And um, we both, I love working with Shana. We decided one day to start working together because it's just, it's so much easier to write with somebody else than by yourself. And um, we really back each other out and help, help each other out. And so we started um, this little shingle and we've got a bunch of projects, you know, an animated project. We have a, a series uh, that 
it's based on my dad's book. My dad has a book for teen boys called Justin Cody's Race to Survival. Um, oh my god, survival! And it's wonderful. Tells, like, it's fiction and nonfiction. Has like real life skills about camping, and but also tells a story. So we thought this is going to be an amazing. It would be an amazing series. So we broke that down into it. So we've got that, and then we're just working on a, a contained horror script. We've got um, one of my other projects that we want to direct and we're just always writing and creating. And sometimes we do little videos, funny little videos and stuff like that. Just always being creative. So, yeah. That's a lot of fun. Uh, if anyone has questions for Clarissa, but Lisa, what's I your question? Yeah. My question is when you got that, you know, that last rejection and you were just like, nope, don't care. That's when you know, like my question to you is, that rejection that hurt the most, whether it had been the boyfriend mm. or whether it had been whatever had broken your heart, you know, what gave you that push to be like, okay, fine, I'm going, I'm going to take my hundred bucks or whatever it was. And I'm going to do what I said I was going to do since I was a little kid. Like, how do you find that fire after you've been kicked in the teeth yeah. so many times? Well, I, I'm kind of hippy dippy, <laughs> kind of hippy dippy. And well, there's, you know, and I meditate, and so like, and I don't meditate like some amazing guru that sits there for <laughs> yeah. minutes. I lay in my bed for five minutes and I just yep. think about the things that I want. And I somehow I got this thing in my brain that was like, everything that is happening is for the best of my project. Because mm, yeah. I kind of look back on my life about things that I was rejected from or whatever. And it, even though it hurt at the time, like it sort of led into where I am now, the choices I might make now. So whenever I would get the rejection, it would sting a little bit, but then I would be like, well, good, get that out of the way. Cause the next, good thing <laughs> yeah. you know, yes. the next good thing is going to come. I happened I to open it. right up to the, how to yes. handle rejections page of the book. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yes. Cause I agree. Like, awesome. I went on that roller coaster too. Like, you know, the, like you said, the first couple of festival rejections and I was like, mm -hmm. no, I thought I made something good, but apparently it's terrible. I know. I know. Like, yeah. And then I also found so like, um, handling it when somebody would reject me, I would respond in a really positive, nice way. Yes. And it made me feel better. And then they were so blown away. The mm. festival programmers were like, what? Yes. I've, I've actually gotten like two or three festivals to come back around and put the film in because of that. Wow. That is awesome. That's you awesome. Know? So, yeah. you know, it's, I, I, you know, I don't mean, mean it to sound like it's, it's hard for, you know, like I have those days where I want to be like, oh, I'm so sick of why is everybody criticizing my work? When is it ever going to be good enough? You yeah, know, yeah. Those days of that. But then I, I'll, I'll, you know, like I'll have these things where I'll be like, nobody's going to hold me back. That's it. I'm going to get up in the yeah. morning. I'm going to like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try it in hard. I'm going to like enter more festivals. Or I'm going to try That's it this awesome. way. Or I'm going to do this way, you know? So <laughs> Well, you know, and I think that, get, everybody goes through it. It's not just you. So it's keeping that faith in the face of like doubt coming from the world. And, you know, it's realizing that self-esteem is just that it comes from the self, not from other people yes. and how they feel about your stuff, but it's so hard to keep and what's your, your eye journey? on that. Like, what's your, you know, like, what's your journey? Why are you doing this? You're doing it 
you always have to keep in mind. And I forgot that in acting for a while and I became very bitter. Like, why is, why are yeah. you doing this? My journey as a writer is because even if I never had anything made, it's because I freaking love writing, I'd be unhappy doing it. So if I always concentrate on that, then mm-hmm. we hold back. <laughs> are you, are you by chance watching Hacks? What is that? Oh, it's a fantastic series on, oh, uh, I think, Hulu I, right now with um, Jean Smart and she's, she's so phenomenal. But there is a there's a point in which there is a person who wants to be a comedian who's not good, and she basically is just like, I'll give you a you know million dollars plus to go away and never do this again. <laughs> and I and I we were, my husband and I sat afterwards and we talked about it. We're like, what if someone gave that was their offered shot. us that like a, a million dollars to never write again? Would you take it? <laughs> no. And and I was like, no, I don't think oh, I could. You're a raging bitch, man. I don't think I could do it. Like how, what would I do with myself if I weren't You'd writing? Write <laughs> like, <Or> you wouldn't. <laughs> so I thought that was a really interesting, like kind of horrible question. Like if you would. It is you, interesting. Yeah. Someone asked you, offered you millions of dollars, that, but, but the catch was you could never write again. Would you do it? You also hear about people that like so many people are I would say the majority of people are not overnight sensations. They, oh all, my God. Have yeah. they all have these stories of being the process. Rejected. Yeah. My overnight success story took 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. Keeping the faith is difficult, but that's what I love about what we do is because it's like most people in the lay typical jobs, the lay jobs, they don't mm. have to do this. They don't have to go through this crisis of faith with your job every, you know, day or every week or every project or whatever it might be. And they show up and get their paycheck. And then they get, they, they, they tease us about what Oscars. I had this conversation with my cousin this year. He's like, you know, you guys in Hollywood, it's all just Oscars is just a bunch of like, you guys like slapping each other on the back. And I'm like, look, it's hard. We do this hard work (laughs) that we give our blood, sweat and tears to it. And for the Mm -hmm. most part, no one cares. So there's one night of the year when people care. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's it. it. When you realize you have more to say than, yeah because people are asking you the same questions. Like that's a great impetus. Like, all right, I'm going to say this now in a way that can reach more people. Yes, that's awesome. I, I love to ask this question, just like given how far you've come and given all the stuff you went through and all the ups and downs, what would you say to your 13 year old self? If you met her today, what would you want her to know? I'd be like, you're super talented. <laughs> you don't need anybody else to stop judging yourself. Just go with what, your gut because so many times I would do yeah. want to do things but I would be like that's not the way it's done I'm, I'm never talented enough I'm never good enough you're good enough that's what yeah I'm you're good enough <laughs> that's what, that. even better than you're super talented because talented doesn't mean shit unless you work hard so how right. about you're good enough <laughs> you're good enough now go out there and go after it yeah I so point. resonate with that I love that like my, my, my whole thing too was just like waiting for permission you know, I'm like, well, who is going to ask, who's who's going to give you permission to follow your dream? Only you or can. Something that is, I mean, I will tell you like something that's really interesting that I came across this story. I, when I was in my twenties, I went on this audition for, um, it was not Saturday Night Live. It was the other one. It was the like, color? Uh, no, oh, God, I can't think of the name of it. Anyway, it was a big day for me. I was super excited and I showed up to the audition. It, it was a sketch thing. And I showed up to the audition dressed up as my character. I was all excited. And I heard these two girls making fun of me. All, all the girls at the, they were making yeah. fun of me. And then I heard the, um, the lady at the front desk make fun of me too. 
Oh my so God. When I went into the audition, I did had zero confidence and I didn't right. blow it, but I was. You were already torn and, down. Yeah, I was pretty torn down. And then I read um, years later, I read that Pee Wee Herman went to his first Saturday Night Live audition dressed as Pee Wee Herman. Oh my God. The difference between him and I was he fucking owned it. Yeah. He didn't let anybody go that stupid. They were probably just like, oh, I wish I would have done that. Yeah, but I was, was going like, to say, because that stuff always comes from like jealousy yeah. or fear yeah. or it doesn't come from like wonderful people love it, loving themselves and needing yeah. to say that stuff. Yeah, so like I wish I could go back and be like, girl, go just ignore that and go do what you right? do. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... Or have some brilliant quip to go to talk yeah. to those girls and be like, mm, yeah, you're just jealous that you didn't think of it first. Yeah, exactly. Peace out, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should talk about just fear, like pushing through the fear and getting like, and that's one of the things I love about because the the way you talk in this book is so just like, yeah, get over that. Pick yourself up. Da, da, da. Like, it's just really like, because it is, it's like, like as Lisa was saying, you know, we're just, it's a constant crisis of conscience and a crisis of, yeah. of confidence to to, yeah. to stay and do what we, what we do. And looking for um, for people outside of you to tell you that your work's good. Yeah. And you and not all a lot of people won't. There's a lot of yeah. people tear you down, and you gotta find your people, which is not always easy, but they're out there. Your people, your people are out there for sure. Yeah, it, it's tough to find your tribe and it's tough to find the people that you can trust and that like the, the realizing that if you don't find them the first time around it's not yeah I mean yeah you want the people who will give you the criticism that will help help you grow not the people who will give you the criticism yes. that will break you down make you want to leave this industry forever because it's hard enough <laughs> without yes. those people in your life for sure what was the best thing you learned during production I didn't know anything about producing. I don't even know how I had the balls to do it, to be honest. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I think we do it because we don't know how hard it's going to be. There was nobody be. else who could do it. There was nobody else that was going to do it. It had to be me. I had to do SAG paperwork and I got Shane to help me with that. And then I had Joe, my writing teacher, like do the dance sequence and he figured that out. And then Josh, the director knew a bunch of stuff. And then I just listened to people and just worked and worked my ass off and whatever people said that I couldn't do, like find a school. I found a school. I called 125 schools. I found a school to, I just wouldn't take no. I just had too many people relying on me. Oh. I didn't know anything. So I just listened to everybody that knew more than me. I mean, I yeah. knew stuff. Like I knew acting, I knew casting. I, I mean, I had never cast, but I knew who I wanted to play those parts. Yes. I felt pretty confident about that. I felt yes. pretty confident about my organization abilities. I didn't know anything about lights, Yes. Locations. Well, yeah. Cause it is, it's just producing is just a list of things that you have to check off. Yeah. Oh, you gotta have a trash heat, a place where they can throw trash. In yeah. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Oh, I got a key so I can get in. Cause it's going to be four o'clock in the morning. Oh, I got, Oh, you know, Oh, those things going back to the whole crisis of, of a confidence thing. I discovered when producing, you don't have time to be shy or, or not believe in yourself because there's so much that has to get done. I got over so many random fears of like oh managing stuff. Cause it's like, I don't have time to be like wishy-washy about this. I just have to make that phone call, make that phone call and just get right. it done. And, and it's just like, yep. I think it get over it. so much as a person. I grew so much as a person. I really did. Just yeah. All the things I remember, like we have this um, meat grinder thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> ladies called, T oh, it's, we call it T-Rex. Um, 
And I didn't know, I was told that I would never be able to afford a real meat. And I was like, I don't want a real meat grinder. I want something surreal. And I saw this artist's work at um, Soap Plant Wacko and Shana, my buddy says to me, call him up. And I remember being really scared thinking about calling I love him up that to ask him if he wanted to do it. And she's like, that's the only way you get shit done. And I just yep. over that. And I called him up and guess what? He did it. And he did an amazing job. That's the thing. But I was I... scared to call. I mean, and I, well, I had to even find him. I didn't know his phone number. I'd like looked on Facebook. I, I mean, it's really hard to find him, but you just have that's... to do shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no one else to do it. So. Yeah. And I feel like people want to be asked more than you think they do. Yeah. I thought for sure it was going to be like, no. Yeah, why would I help what you? What is this little people actually? Film? I don't want to be part of this, but he did. Yeah. Is there a part? Is there a chapter that you're that's like your favorite? Like, is there like a tidbit where you're like, I really I'm love my, the last one when I knew it was done. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love it. No, it just you know, I mean, when I was writing it, I remember being worried that I was going to forget somebody or leave somebody out, or oh. you know. Um, but I just was very focused about just the stuff that I thought would help people the most, the things that I struggle with the most. And I know it's like one big, pe- a lot of pep talking because I felt like I needed a lot of pep talking. I really you, did. Yeah. It's like, it can never be too much. Yeah. Cause you just get, I mean, it's a very positive experience, the film circuit. And like, I find that most people on the film circuit are super positive. You know, it's like your baby's out there and it's, it's when it gets rejected, it can be it's painful. It's painful. Yeah. It can be painful. So, yeah. Well, I want to read the last, the 10 commandments. Oh. <laughs> Follow these words or risk the fires of hell. Thou shalt love and believe in thy film. Thou shalt have a goal. Thou shalt be prepared. Thou shalt work hard. Thou shalt love to promote thy film. Thou shalt love to promote others. Thou shalt not take rejection personally. You've just been saying thou shalt temper expectations. Thou shalt be perseverant and thou shalt not be a jerk ever amen and i those are (laughs) such good words to live by oh and i was gonna say that too what you said earlier about um reaching back out in a kind way to festivals that had rejected you and just like the value of kindness i had um i've had a couple festival programmers on here and they always say that like you know we they deal with so many jerks and so many people who are angry that their film didn't get in that someone just showing bothering to show kindness it sticks with them and they remember that filmmaker they want to work with that filmmaker in the future you know it's like kindness guys it's free and it's so valuable and then when you find out that a lot of those programmers are filmmakers themselves of course yeah they love so many of the films but everybody on the staff has to agree yes one guy who hates it one guy who loves it so you can't go yes there's just so many reasons why a film is a festival yeah I've been part of the slam dance family for a long time now. And, wow. and I, I co-founded their script clinic actually. And we, you know, deliberations on the script side would get, I would say bloody violent, but no, we've had enough of that this year, but they would get super heated because, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't let all the scripts we love be awarded. And so somebody right. has to just not, and it's really hard. And sometimes like, you'll never know, that somebody went to bat for you and fought for your project and yeah. but they got overridden by some but someone yeah. else and you'll never know how much like your project actually did mean I st- there's a couple scripts I still think about that I'm like oh god I hope they didn't give up because that script was yeah. so good and I fought for it but like I wasn't able to admit to get it up into the final and yeah no you, it's know. Just, you just never know 
You never know. What goes around comes around. Good energy, man, always comes yeah. back. Yeah. Well, then not take it personally and don't don't give up. And there are some jerks. Yeah. Just avoid those. <laughs> At all costs. Curse them. I put them in a jerk file. Shane and I put us, we put them in a jerk I file. I did that too. I had a, yep. When I have like, oh, those people are responding really nasty. I'm just, I'm going to keep a note not to work with that person. Yeah. If I see their name come up again. When I meet them at uh, cans, I'll be like, you're my jerk file. You're one of those. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Calarsa, thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks for sharing, having me on. Sharing your wisdom. Next time on Half Side Salons. Carla Renata grew up with a passion for the stage and a voice to match that landed her on Broadway with the likes of Queen and Matthew Broderick. She parlayed her insider understanding of story and her love of movies into a second career as the curvy critic. We'll talk about critiquing film, rocking the red carpet, and the importance of inclusion in what stories are being told now. Special thanks to our graphic and sonic designer, Joel Harris. Our theme music is by Lachey Swing. For more on our script coaching, online concept to pages screenwriting courses, and writing retreats in Italy, again someday, or to be part of our live recording audience, visit us at pagecraftwriting.com, at pagecraftwriting on Instagram, and at pagecraftwrite on Twitter. I'm Heidi from Pagecraft. Thanks for listening and stay well.